Hello. I am Champ Champenstein. That's Heather. I'm he- I'm Heather. We're Talk Comics to Me. Welcome to Wednesday. <laughs> it is a new comic book day, and we're here today to talk about our comics. Yeah. For this week. You go first, for sure. Okay. So, my... I can't decide on my pick exactly. I had a very difficult time because I kind of liked all of them. But I'm just going to go with uh, The Forgotten Queen. I can't remember what her name is because they never mention her name. But anyway, in the this is the second issue out of four. Uh, in the first issue, you are introduced to this character who is in uh, Mongolia. And she is known as a witch throughout the different leaders of different uh, groups of people in Mongolia because she has this power where she can just make men kill each other. So that's how she becomes stronger and stuff. But in this issue, you are introduced to the more human side of her. She is, you know, immortal. She's thousands of years old. Um, Everyone's been calling her a witch, and she has no idea what a witch actually is. So she finds herself a witch, and falls in love with the woman and it's it's good i <laughs> i really like this um because i don't know i especially liked this issue because you did get to see that more human side of her where just because she's immortal and a queen uh she still feels things that everyone else does she's not above feeling but she also just likes fucking wrecking people's shit and i think that's in- incredible in what ways Um, she just makes men fight each other and kill each other. And when she is upset, she loves to see bloodshed. Um, she does say one thing. It seems like your type of woman. Thank you. I'm glad you knew that. (laughs) I think we've been doing this long enough that I would know. (laughs) She, um, talks about the way she feels at one point, like being immortal and stuff. The way that she describes the feeling is really cool, though. She just talks about, like, the only feeling that she truly understands is, like, seething. Because that's constantly what she feels, like, just full of. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's only, you know, four issues. So, I would say pick it up just for the fun of it. It's by your girl. Uh, Yeah, it's by Teeny Howard, (laughs) who's just great. Who just signed a Marvel exclusive. Which we were just talking about. We're a little um, upset. Not upset. Yeah. Very, very happy for her. But just sad. Because I really like all the independent stuff that she's been putting out. Yeah. No, and agreed. I mean, from you, for the most part, since I have not. Yeah. Her independent <laughs> stuff is great, and I, I love it a lot because she introduces, like, brand new characters. And I, I hope that she's able to with Marvel somehow. Yeah. I mean, I'm re- like I said before, I think last week, maybe the week before that, I'm, like, really looking forward to her doing that Thanos series and, like, yeah, making Gamora fucking cool. Anyway. (laughs) Anyway. I guess it's my turn. Yes. Okay. I have Daredevil with this cute kitty cover because I couldn't help myself. Yeah. Just so you guys know, there's a a bunch of Marvel variants. They're called Fuji Cat variants, and they're incredible. I suggest you pick up the one for Wolverine Infinity Watch issue number two. That's probably my favorite Yeah. (laughs) I can't even explain it. It's just... It's really good. But this is the newest Daredevil series. Um, This is the third issue, and it's just going balls to the wall, if you will. (laughs) I will. (laughs) Good. 
I love that saying. But yeah, no, it's uh, it's so good. It's really interesting. Uh, Daredevil had gotten shot at the last of the end of the last issue, and it's all about him trying to get out of police custody while also showing how much the police force is also behind him, even though he's a vigilante and kind of looked down upon in a way, but it's it's so cool and it also kind of shows who Daredevil is kind of fighting against. He's fighting against someone who is just out to get him on every every level. It's so good. So I have a question as someone who is not familiar with Daredevil at all. I will have very little to no answers. Okay. Um, well, with this new series, it's only three issues in, I thought he died. Is that like a spoiler? I mean, it's not a spoiler, obviously. I just meant spoiler, like how to explain it. I honestly don't know how to explain it uh, because I am pretty sure he did die. And I should have looked this up. If, if I had known you were going to ask me these <laughs> I just, questions. I just think of these great questions like just randomly. <laughs> They're not planned. Um, during Saran, he did kill him. Uh, but there was also a... Daredevil run just right before this, The Man of Fear. Okay, I knew that one. That was like five parts? Five parts. Okay. And it talks about him not dying, so they essentially save him. Okay. And the five-part series is, it's a very interesting series. I only read the three of the five. I read the first one. And I, I really like the way it played out, and I kind of feel the same way about like this. It kind of takes up that same mantle where... Everything's vaguely the same. Wilson Fisk is still mayor. Like, he's still got hit by the car. He's still gone through these, like, traumas. So it's all there. Okay, so it's, that it's, makes sense. And it's weird coming into it not reading Daredevil. And I don't, I can't tell you the last time I read a Daredevil book. Okay. And so it's weird for me to come into this and... I don't know. I just really enjoy it overall. Like, I have a... It feels like Matt Murdock. It feels like Daredevil. I really enjoy the aspect of what they're doing and, like, what Chip is doing in this issue. Being like, well, even though he's this vigilante and even though he's caught, even though there's this warrant out for him, all of these levels, all of these cops are still here for him because he's... He's a good guy. He's a good guy. Okay. He's looking out for the good of the people and, like... You know, cops can't necessarily. <laughs> okay, that makes sense then. If you guys uh, know anything else about the previous Daredevil series, please inform us. Yes, please. I would love to know. Uh, and if you're Chip Zdarsky, please just email us right now. Email Champ. I don't want to know what you guys are going to talk about. Daredevil. <laughs> okay. Okay, so speaking of uh, Chip Zdarsky, <laughs> this is something we both got. I am not completely uh, caught up, but it's Invaders. It is issue number three. Number three. I have continually said this to Heather within the past day. <laughs> this is the most boring comic book I've ever read, but I love it. <laughs> Sorry, you guys could hear me laughing and just... Um, yeah, I, I have not finished issue number two yet. Um, so I obviously have not read number three, but it's a lot of dialogue. There's a lot of dialogue in Invaders because 
one, Namor's trying to build a bomb. It's big news. Uh, I wore my Namor eyebrows today. Just, you know, we love Namor in this house. <laughs> I, I do. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I love Namor. I think he's a, a he's great. very He's very good I used to bad. hate him. Like, I used to think he was a terrible character. But then Jason Aaron <laughs> made me love him. Uh, but, yeah, Namor's building a bomb. He's out for the, the air breathers. This issue, like, all of the issues of Invaders are very interesting because the main idea is that Captain Amer- America... <laughs> America. Captain America. Uh, Captain America is trying to stop him, but not by any means of, like, force. He's just kind of trying to talk him out of doing it, which is why there's so much dialogue in this. It's interesting because of that, because, you know, Captain America's going around and just asking people to listen to him and let him kind of intervene between these things, like between Namor and what's happening. And everybody's just so mad at him for those reasons. This also goes into the idea of Cap being part of Hydra. They bring that into play. I think Chip is very good at writing Captain America. I think it's the Captain America we we really need, honestly. Somebody who isn't a warmonger, somebody who is willing to see the better in people and what they do and to understand why things are happening the way they are. My next comic is Isola, issue number seven. They write their numbers weird on here. Is that a seven? It could be a seven or a J. Yeah, no, it is a seven. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, it's issue number J. It's, well, you know. It wouldn't work, I don't think. No, Jay's number 10. (laughs) I love this book. It's beautiful. The colors are really good. The art is really good. During the first arc, I had at one point mentioned that the story sometimes felt flat, um, which I feel like a lot of the, uh, I don't know, the dialogue and the art, it really makes up for the actual story, sometimes falling flat. I, I love it regardless. I think this is one of my favorite books right now. It's I don't want to give away too much because I pretty much just spoiled the entire issue for Champ a little bit ago. But it's I will okay. say... It's okay. I forget everything. They, <laughs> Ruth and Queen Olwen, who is a tiger, they are still on their way to the Land of the Dead or Isola so they can find a cure for the curse that the Queen is under right now. This issue is kind of a a detour that they go on, but I think it is really important for the whole spiritual aspect of it because there is a lot of, I don't know, like praying to their gods and spirituality throughout the series. It's kind of a constant thing, but it's, it's so good. It's so good. It's, yeah, it's... One of the more beautiful books that I've ever read. Um, And that was honestly the main reason why I picked it up the first time was it was solicited as it reads like a Miyazaki movie. I know. And it looks so good. I remember looking through that first issue and feeling the same way. Yes. I'm kind of sad that I I didn't feel such an attachment to the story right away in that first issue. It took me, honestly, like it was at the end of that first arc where... I got emotional because everything that happens in 
the story and the first part, it all comes together. Uh-huh. So a lot of it does, it may seem like filler as you're reading it, but it all makes sense, like, at the end. Yeah, and, yeah. And I mean, like, comes with, like, any story. But it was just one of those things, you know, like, and that's kind of the burden and the curse of first issues. Yeah. And especially now that I've, I feel like I've become more, like, aware of, like, collecting comics and what I like and don't like, I think that I sometimes take too much, like, weight in first issues, which is why I collected up to five before, and then I was like, no, I feel... And I felt burnt out by those comics that did that to me. Yeah, no, I definitely get that. The prelude issue actually helps a lot with, like, understanding... Because in the first issue, they do just kind of jump into the middle of the story, and then they slowly backtrack and explain how they had gotten there, which is fine, but you don't know any of these characters to begin with, so you don't really have a care. Like, you don't really care about these characters at all, but, like, that prelude does explain the characters a little bit more in depth. So if you, like, read that and then go back and read the first issue, it it really does make sense. Okay. That's all. Okay. I have Martian Manhunter. <laughs> What's his name? John? John Jones. John. Anyway, Martian Manhunter. This book is wonderful. It's so good. Uh, I did go off on Heather earlier about how good it was. I'm sorry. That's no, okay. I like, you get so passionate about things. That's I, I, unfortunate. I'm like an old man yes. about comics, though. It's very... Uh, Humbling. Is that the right word? No. (laughs) I'm going to use it anyway. This book is, it is wonderful. It's very interesting and very intricate within the first few issues. Just making a story what it is and introducing you to a character you know already, but then making them so personable and just kind of going for it. And you learn so many different aspects of who this person is actually supposed to be what they're doing on this earth, it's so good. She had said at one point earlier, he has a, a human girlfriend, and she said that... No. He has a human partner. Partner. Oh. It's, it's his cop partner. Okay, that makes more sense. I was like, how is she sleeping with this guy, and she doesn't realize <laughs> that he's an alien? It, yeah, that makes more sense. It's his cop partner. Yes, and then she had to show me that he is a shapeshifter. Yes. And can wear human skin. It all makes sense now. I just felt like that was important enough to yeah. tell everyone about. This issue kind of delves into uh, just the idea that Martians all share their own thoughts. There's a disease that's kind of going through. And that John can't share his thoughts with his wife because of this disease. But there's more than that. It's crazy. Yeah, so it's cool. Okay. So you know what that more than that is, but she does not. Is it um, going to be an ongoing, or is it limited? It is only 12 issues. Okay. Only 12 issues. Only 12. My, my favorite kind. But I cannot suggest this book enough. I think it's super interesting. John Jones is a very interesting character because even though he is a Martian, he is very human and very sensitive, but... It just shows in this, like, issue especially, like, how much he cares for his family and how, like, important they are to him. It's cute. Yeah. I like it a lot. Art's good. Story's good. There's no reason you should not be reading that. Okay. Okay. So I have 
the first issue of this tiny series called Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Um, this is essentially just a origin story. She, her and her two aunts, Zelda and Hilda, uh, relocate to Greendale, and she is starting at a new high school. That's what this issue is about. I just like Sabrina anyway. Yeah. I just think she's great. I like her a lot in this. witch. No. Yes. That's strange. If you're not telling me you're a witch, I don't know. This is, there's a code I have to follow. I like Sabrina as a character um, because she obviously is way cooler than anyone else in the school, but she is nice to the people who really need it. Uh, She befriends someone who is being bullied in here, which I don't know if anyone has, like, seen the Netflix show. She is very much the type of person that stands up for people who don't stand up for themselves. And that becomes a huge thing in this. Do Veronica Fish and Andy Fish do the art for the entire thing? Yes. Okay. So it is like an Archie book, but the art for this, for some reason, is way better than, like, the Archie stuff. But it also kind of has, like, that Archie feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that. Yeah. It's, it's so good. It's really good. Yeah, because it's, it's pretty realistic, too, but it's the coloring is just incredible. It's very, like, Fiona Staples-esque. That's what the cover reminded me of. But, yes, um, it is a short series. I think there's only going to be five issues, four or five. Uh-huh. I can't remember. And I'm excited, excited to see where it goes. Uh, my next book is Outcast. It's almost done. It is, like, this is kind of ramping up. This whole story has been kind of plateaued for a good chunk of time. It's done like it's dips, but it's only dipped so far. (sighs) (laughs) I don't want to say that, like, nobody will like this because I think it's very enjoyable. Like, I've enjoyed it to a point, but I think that it's... I don't want to say anything. It's just one of those things where this book is... It's okay. It's, like, legitimately just okay. I don't have any very strong feelings on it. I'm never, like, super, like, brought into it, and I never really want to read it first. I just kind of want to see how the story ends. Right. I'm at that point where... I don't know. I You're ready for it to be over. I'm kind of, I am. I am ready for it to be over. Chris, he asked if they decided to end it because the show got canceled. And it kind of felt like, yeah, they could have, like, this was kind of written as a show. Right. I did not realize that. Yeah. I'm sure you've mentioned it to me before, but. Well, and it's one of those things that I don't like to mention. Like, I don't like to talk about not liking books, but this book is just, like, the epitome of okay. It's like watching a horror movie that you're just like, yeah, that was all right. Yeah. And and I I feel like at the end of this, I don't know what it'll bring, and maybe it will just, like, blow me out of the air, but I don't think so. Yeah, not if you're having these feelings about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I'm going into it very negatively, so if it is good, though, it'll be real fucking good. It'll be a happy surprise. Yeah, yeah. So that's all I have to say about Outcast. I'm sorry it was so bad. <laughs> the next one we have is the final issue of William Gibson's Alien 3. I am not caught up on that, so... Uh, I am caught up on it, and it's... What do you think of it? The ending, anyway. <laughs> I just felt like it was very rushed. This is the thing Heather and I talk about all of our comics beforehand, so she knows mm-hmm. and we know, but yeah, no, it just felt very... 
very rushed to the end. I felt like it could have at least had one more issue to kind of pull out what they were trying to say. I think what they were trying to say was definitive, but in the end, it just felt like it was all crammed and thrown together. That's kind of how I felt about other Alien series that recently. I can't think of which one it was. The one we read with the kid. Yeah. Yeah. I felt like that in the last issue, too, because when I read the last one, I thought for some reason I wasn't caught up. Like, I had skipped an issue because mm-hmm. I was like, wow, that happened really fast. But no. No. Yeah. It's just apparently how they end Alien series. They're like, we can only have five issues in your series. Finish it. We're going to do this as quick as possible. No questions. So, fuck you. <laughs> I have the book glow next. Are we just moving on? Yeah. Oh, I, if you're ready. I wasn't ready, but then I knew it was your turn. I went first. <laughs> I ruined the flow, everybody. It's all right. <laughs> this is another Teeny Howard book. It is really good in the sense that it is written a lot like the Netflix Glow series. If you do like the Glow series, I do highly recommend this. Obviously, not this old man's bag of tea. <laughs> And I have not ever watched anything that has to do with glow, so I've yeah, I had yeah. no desire to pick that up. And the only reason I did pick it up is just like I had said before, I had read the or had read, I had watched the uh, documentary on Netflix, and it was really really good. And then I had watched the first season of the show, and it made me laugh. But <laughs> you some, know, sometimes it's too much sense but you did like the comic i mean yes i didn't not like it okay once again it's a lot like the show so for me it's it's funny it has those moments i am a serious boy i get it i need something more more oomph i get it and i'm gonna gonna flip through that later and i don't think that would ever have the oomph to give it to me Not because it's not good, but because it's just not what I would read. But once again, if you like the Glow series, you like funny things, yes. Pick it up. You might have a good time. Once again, just an asshole. (laughs) So I have Mr. and Mrs. X. Basically where they're at right now is Rogue and Gambit were sucked into the Mojoverse. And Mojo is using them for his own personal, like, entertainment. He keeps making them do different like versions of love stories essentially but something is happening with rogue's powers and she keeps killing gambit i just have a lot of feelings about rogue and gambit in general and that's why i'd pick this one up i really liked the uh rogue and gambit series that came just before this one did so that's why i originally picked this one up i like it enough to keep reading it but i don't know if i like it enough to tell people that i'm like into it i guess i don't know I would say it's written by Kelly Thompson. The art is pretty good. I feel like she captures the characters very well. But as for the situations that she's putting them in, I don't know how I feel about it. That's all your turn. I know. (laughs) I have rolled and told. This is a a really, really good book if you're into D&D. It has a lot of little just like mini campaigns. This campaign looks like a lot of fun. The maze in the beginning looks super tight, not as a player necessarily, but as, or as a DM, but this is, it just looks good. It just looks good. Yeah. It looks good if you want to just have the worst time ever. (laughs) 
as either org because there's a lot of stuff going on there. But I love this. I love these books because they are just a few mini campaigns, a few things that tell you uh, some introductions to D&D. So it's a very friendly book in that way. And it does, with its campaigns, gives you the idea of, hey, this is the level you're going to be starting at. This is what we suggest for your players. And then gives you just like those little intricacies. It is a little more expensive a book, but for what it gives you, it's totally worth the $8 you're going to pay for it. It's not like you're buying a new hand, like Dungeons Handbook or some new campaign book. This right, and is it's not something that you would just get through right away, too. Like no, it well, and if it is, it's something that if you if you buy more than one, you have hours. Mm-hmm. Like I'm about to have at least twelve campaigns worth of stuff. Stuff, yeah. So that's really cool. And that's all I have to say about Rolled and Told. I got this weird one shot called The Viking Queen. I really love things about Vikings, and I love things about queens. So I felt like this would have been just right up my alley. But as with like most things that we've read today, this was just all right. It, it, for being like a one shot, it, everything happened really fast. And I the conclusion was really weird. But I guess the premise of it is there's this Viking queen. Um, she is alerted to this witch, wizard, warlock, woman thing who keeps going around two different Viking clans and killing the leader and taking their people. Okay. So she has to go fight this thing. But it's like then, you know, with every bad horror movie, there's like a section where she's like, let me explain every single part of this so no one is confused. But it was really unnecessary, and it was really just crazy. Like, there was no point to it. Like, you could have just, like, fought, and it would have been cool. I didn't need to know your relationship with every single person they knew. It's, It was weird. The art was weird. I don't think I'll read it again, but, I mean, it wasn't, like, bad. Meh. Yeah, it was just kind of meh. It wasn't what I thought it was going to be. I just thought it was... Because that doesn't even look like a Viking. That looks like, honestly... I don't know, a punk kid nowadays who thinks that's what a Viking looks like. Why does she have blue hair? I, there's so many things about oh, it that I just... Why is there a, a chulu behind them? That's part of the origin story. <laughs> it's... I'll tell you about Do it you later. Like my chulu. Yeah, the chulu. <laughs> I knew exactly what it was. <laughs> uh, okay. So I've got two comics. I have... Umbrella Academy, which Heather has read, but neither one of us has been caught up on this newest series. Hotel Oblivion? Is that what it's still called? Don't know. Okay. It could or could not be Hotel Oblivion. I have not caught up on this series. I suppose if you, like, want to read a book, though, why not? Yeah, especially if you liked, if you happen to read, like, the first part of the story. And I think if you maybe have watched the the show, mm-hmm. you could get a grasp and just go into it because they're all kind of separate series mm-hmm. anyway. So it's not like It's you, just all the same characters. Yeah. You don't need to know any of the background. Kind of like Hellboy. Yeah. 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 The other book I have is League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. <laughs> but like any Ellen Moore book, there's too many words. There's way too many words. <laughs> there's too many words. It's like Watchmen. <laughs> I have read the book. 
and I have watched the movie. There's a lot of words. There's a lot of words and a lot going on. Uh, I do plan on reading this at some point. Oh, my God. I, I'm telling you, there are a lot of words. <laughs> you thought Invaders had a lot of dialogue. Oh, goodness. Get into an Alan Moore book. I, I will not. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so we both have one more book before our concluding book. I'm going to cover this so you can't see it. Okay, so this is my, hmm, this is 30 Days of Night. This is Eben and Stella. I'm confused as to when this part takes place because Steve Niles had put out a six-part series of 30 Days of Night that was essentially just a retelling of the movie. That was last year, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was last year. Actually, so, yeah, because I, I, I sent you an Eben post. Uh, like, last year it just came up on, like, my time hop or something. Right. So this, I thought, took place after that series. It might just take place after the movie. I don't know. The, the, the timeline's weird, but I just question it because at the end it says, here's a preview of the series that was finished last year. I don't know. I hated this book. <laughs> I hated this book. Uh, there's so many reasons why. One of the like smaller things that has been bothering me since I watched the movie and put the caption on, not realizing that it was like this in the comic at first... His name is Eben, E-B-E-N. I spent this entire time thinking it was Evan. Also, who names their kid Eben when Evan is fine? His name is Ebenezer Scrooge. Oh, Lord. (laughs) Uh, So, I hated this story. I loved the art for it. I thought the art was incredible. It looked good as a horror. You know, it's just, it's violent. It's really gritty. And I really enjoyed that. Unfortunately, the art could not make me like this. And I'm really mad that I like put it on my special orders because when I saw it, I was like, God damn it. It says Eben on it. And then I wrote it down anyway. I was very impressed with the, <laughs> when I pulled it for you because I was like, oh, I didn't, think, I didn't think she would do this. Well, and the main reason why I wanted some, like I wanted it was because Kelly Sue DeConnick has a part in it. I'm not sure if she writes any of this. It, it, it says, says written, written by, by. <laughs> Steve Niles and Kelly Sue DeConnick. Well, that's unfortunate. And I am sorry for my feelings. Because I, I do love what Steve Niles does. Like, I've loved every single one of his stories that I've read. The bad thing is just I don't feel like he knows how to properly tie up a story. Uh, and yeah. that... Yeah, we have... Yeah, yeah that's, that's the main reason why I don't like it. I will read anything that he puts out in hopes that something changes. I don't know. And I wouldn't tell anyone to not read it because sometimes people do like those just quick endings. I want more from it. (laughs) And I am very disappointed. There is a vampire baby. There's a vampire baby in it. And it's the oldest vampire to ever exist. That's all I'm going to say about it. Uh, the comic I have to not talk about, talk about, is Detective <laughs> Comics. What issue is this? This is issue number 1000. It was a big deal. It was a big deal. Uh, this issue specifically is written by more than one Batman creator. Art's done by several other 
artists. It's a collaboration. Uh, it is a collaboration. But I have not... <laughs> I've not read this I've not all. read it yet. Yeah. I did flip through it. I'm very excited, honestly, just for, like, the Warren Ellis story. Possibly the Scott Snyder story. Possibly the Tom King story. Possibly. I might just love all the stories and what will anyone do. They're going to be so good. They're, I hope so. But if you like Batman, maybe pick it up. There's a bunch of really cool covers. They spanned uh, the 1930s through the 2010s. Is that what they did with action comics? Is that... Probably. I think that's... I think <laughs> yeah, I remember that, that being yeah. the same case. But I just... It's great. I, at least, if nothing else, I love every single cover, which yeah, is no. why I ended up grabbing this book in general. All the covers are really, really good. And I also just love the idea of like looking at a book and kind of getting a bunch of different stories from different people I respect. All right. We ready to talk about our last book? This is our last one. It's Heroes in Crisis. Number seven. We're getting to the end. Two issues left. I will let you talk first because I uh, <laughs> know how to collect my thoughts properly. The mystery's kind of coming to a head. You are at this issue. You know what has caused or what is causing the problem at, the at sanctuary. sanctuary. Yeah. yeah. I feel justified because I haven't been wrong. <laughs> Since issue two. Yep, that's I can I can vouch for her. So that's something that I after reading this issue I felt real good about, but damn, I'm not ready for what's about to happen. No, because you can tell it's it's gonna be like a big, big deal, which needs to be. Yeah, and and everything about every single issue has been a big deal. And if you haven't been reading this series, yeah, goddamn fool, honestly. Yeah, what are you thinking? <laughs> because it is very interesting and very in-depth, and you learn so much about these characters that you you do love. And if you don't love them, you kind of gain a new respect for people you've never seen before because Tom King fucking did his work. Oh, yeah. He's a... Uh, I don't know. There's a lot of good communication between characters that you wouldn't think would have things to talk about. Mm-hmm. But... I don't know. We say this all the time, but Tom King is just an incredible writer. Yeah, he's no, he, really good at like building <laughs> characters and relationships and like taking these people who again don't have anything in common and giving them something in common. And it just it builds this like weird camaraderie, com- camaraderie. Yes. Commodity. Commodity. <laughs> this this hero commodity. It's camaraderie between like characters that you would never see together and it's he can delve so much into these personalities and who these people are supposed to be at their core that it's it's very insane. I love every interaction between Harley and Booster. There's like a really important one that happens in this one. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know because they're they're two they're on two different sides normally, like most of the time. But f- you know, in this series, they oh, and even then in in the series they technically right. are yeah but again you know they they have that one thing in common where they're just just not very good at what they do and you really get to like feel how bummed it makes them because yeah. they they just want to be better but they aren't and i think this book is making them better mm-hmm. and it's I don't know. This it, There's so much to be said about this. Because there's a lot that happens in this issue. In this issue alone, yeah. It's, I don't, this is kind of a pivotal, 
pivotal issue. It really but is with I, a lot of the characters that are in here because you have so many different groups. Like you have Harley, Booster, Blue Beetle, and Batgirl. They're all doing something. And then you have Batman. Batman. Batman's kind of just doing... Oh, and Batman and Flash because Flash is trying right. to find boost, Booster. Yeah, they're all working on something else. And then you also have um, Wally doing his own thing. In Sanctuary. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a... It's important, and I think everything it's it's saying is important, especially about heroism. Mm-hmm. And Wally has been struggling this entire series. I think that's a very important aspect to this book, is that it's not just about every hero having this struggle. It's very much about Wally having this struggle and having this problem with Essentially being brought back to life. Mm-hmm. And, and how everyone deals with him dealing with <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. It's really, really in-depth uh, and real. It's really real. It is real. <laughs> if you're sad, it, it does cut to the core. And it's <sighs> Tom King. You do it every time, my boy. All right. You ready for this one? I'm not ready. But the within... The first page, there's a two-panel spread. Wally in a field of flowers. I can't, can't even. Heroes in Crisis. It's so good. It's so good. The story is so good. You know, DC murder mystery. Fuck it. It's good. Just read it. Yeah. I don't care if you don't think you know anything about DC. You don't have to <laughs> at all. Also, as a side note, Batman needs a therapist more than any other person. I'm just throwing for that out sure, there. For sure. For sure. Yes. Okay, so we're at the end of Wednesday. That was the end of Wednesday. We're we're at the end. We appreciate you <laughs> coming. We did it. You did it. We all did it. We'll see you next Wednesday. Goodbye.